Well, hey, everybody, it's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, we today are talking uh, about another uh, study that uh, was recent in the last week. Uh, super excited to talk about it. But before we do that, we're going to hit up the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox uh, for a joke that was sent to me. Thank you, anonymous uh, listener uh, who sent me this. Uh, Dr. List, I have, a, I, have a, I have a duck hunting joke for you. Okay, great. A group of physicians are duck hunting. There's a general surgeon in the group. He spots a duck flying in the marshland, aims his, aims his gun, Shoots down the duck in one shot, turns to the other and said, hey, I just shot myself a duck. Next up is the resident in the group. The resident sees a duck, aims his shotgun, leads the duck with the first shot, trails it with the next shot, but hits it with his third. He turns to everyone else and says, hey, you know, it was too small to be a condor, too big to be a sparrow. Eh, it was probably a duck. Next up is the, is the radiologist in the group. Radiologist sees the duck, aims his shotgun, hits the duck turns the group and says, I just had a flying animal. Maybe a duck, doesn't, or even a quail. Possible flying squirrel. Cannot exclude a pterodactyl at this point. I think I should shoot it again, but this time with a scoped rifle for more accuracy. Finally, there's an ER doc. Spots duck in the marshland, takes a huge automatic combat shotgun, unloading two full magazines into the air as the other physicians take cover behind him. As the tremendous noise stops, the resident uncovers his ears and shouts, What was that? The ER doc turns around and says, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure I hit it. All right, let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast, produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List. Here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, it's boy, Dr. Mark List, uh, your quarantine companion, your favorite podcasting host, your best friend, uh, your secret uh, your secret lover. Um, nope, just kidding on that one. That's not true. Um, we today are talking about the effect of uh, biomechanical footwear on knee pain. Uh, so uh, osteoarthritis of the knee, uh, osteoarthritis at the joints, incredibly common scenario here in primary care. We see it all the time. Um, I do it almost every day in my, in my practice, deal with somebody with um, knee pain, hip pain, back pain, but knee pain is probably the most common. Um, and so when we think about how do we treat this, there's obviously certainly a couple of different things that we can do. Um, the most uh, thrown out one that we usually start with are, you know, NSAIDs, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, work really well for knee arthritis, reduce inflammation, reduce pain, um, improve people's uh, ability to function, uh, which is always the most important thing. Uh, but they usually come at a pretty heavy price. Uh, you know, knee arthritis normally happens in uh, older older patients, and obviously older patients plus NSAIDs can equal some pretty bad drama, as we all know. Um, not only uh, decreased renal function, uh, worsening chronic kidney disease can also cause uh, GI uh, bleeds and other side effects that are pretty pretty terrible. Um, there's some evidence that NSAIDs can be implicated in heart disease, um, and you know not the best in people with renal disease, obviously as we just talked about. So um, lots of people that we can't really use these things for, um, and some people they don't tolerate them. Other people they can't take them because they're also taking blood thinners, and they definitely get uh, risk for bleed goes up. So what else are we left with? Um, certainly, uh, you and I, uh, if you're a primary care provider, you're probably also um, somebody like me who does uh, knee injections with corticosteroids. Um, those have their place. Um, some people also will try some of that um, uh, 
hyaluronic acid, uh, some of those uh, rooster comb injections. Uh, the Simvisc uh, is the trade name around here that we use. Um, and, you know, with, with modest effects with those people, the studies don't back up as much as the anecdotal evidence that people that people like. But we know there's a lot of placebo effect in not only taking something uh, for pain. Whether that's, uh, this you know, is why, there, even droid, though there's not a lot of evidence for some not really been um, super other, uh, hyaluronic acid detailed or the, super uh, supportive like, of glucosamine and chondroitin, um, there are some weak evidence. And weak studies depends on what kind of uh, what kind of supplement you are taking. Maybe there's a questionable benefit. You know, some people will think about taking like curcumin or turmeric uh, because of the anti-inflammatory properties. And again, while there's, again, very weak evidence uh, that, that says that affects it, um, you, aren't, you aren't getting people holding off on knee replacements just because they can take turmeric. So uh, turmeric, sorry, I had mispronounced that. So when we look at other treatments, we know that physical therapy works incredibly well. We know that physical therapy is probably and arguably one of the more important things that we can do for knee arthritis to help reduce uh, people's pain, to improve their function, to decrease the amount of uh, procedural interventions that we need to do, or at least delay those things. But as we all know, at some point we get past kind of mild knee arthritis into the more moderate severe range. The NSAIDs don't always work as well. The physical therapy may or may not stop working. And then we're kind of left with, well, what do we do now? Um, so again, physical therapy, corticosteroid injections kind of buy you some time. But what else can we do? Uh, there's a study just this last week in JAMA. This is a May 2012 edition of JAMA. This is a study out of Ontario, Canada. So hello to our, uh, our northern neighbors. So we are uh, talking about a study of 220 people, and they randomized them to either a biomechanical footwear, uh, an external an external pod, or actually two sets of uh, adjustable pods um, that are externally convex, so kind of the rocker bottom, the convex type of footwear. Now, Unlike some of the uh, Skecher walkers that you've seen that are supposed to be so much better for your calves and your feet, um, and it, that, that they have the entire from heel to, sh to toe uh, rocker bottom um, or kind of convex bottom that you can Google and see what those look like. This study looked at two pods on each foot. So they, they stuck one by the, by the balls and one by the, by the heels of the foot. And I actually had to Google what a picture of these looked like because I couldn't I couldn't wrap my brain around what these what these interventions look like. But the footwear, so it's a, on the outsoles, not the insoles on the inside of the shoe, but on the outsides on the bottom. Um, they stuck on these two convex pads, and they individually calibrated these based on detailed gait studies. Adjustments of the location of these pods, um, altered biomechanics to reduce stress on osteoarthritic knee compartments was kind of the, the, the idea behind this. The idea behind this. So they looked at um, following these patients and they followed them over two years. Um, and so they, they looked at this WOMAC score, this Western Ontario and McMaster University's osteoarthritis arthritis index. And so these pain scores from zero to 10. Now, when I Google this WOMAC score, I get zero to 20. So I don't know if I'm Googling a different study than different, different handout than them, but they range from zero to 10 on this pain score. And again, so these are at, at baseline, the average pain score in the, in the biomechanical, in the intervention group was 4.3. 
and in the control group was 4.0. So fairly similar. Uh, they did a good job randomizing. If you look at the randomization uh, here panel, um, they actually did a pretty good job. Now, what's interesting is they followed these people for 24 weeks, which six months, I mean, look, that's, that's a long time to follow people for like physical therapy type stuff. So the fact that they put these people in these shoes and kind of followed them up from week to week and got baseline scores, they showed all, all patients in the mechanical footwear group and the control group had decreased pain. And this got better as time went on. So in the control group, they, they just um, they didn't put any of these adjustable things on. They just kind of put sham little things at the bottom of their shoes. Um, and so, uh, hold on, I'm going to see that. Hold on, pause. In fact, let me read what they did here. They um, to try to maintain blinding. Uh, they were kept unaware of the study design and use of control footwear. Um, they had these similar pods in the control group that were uh, embedded underneath the outsole. They were visible but did not create a convex walking surface. Okay, so, uh, but I, I'm assuming though that they did actually like change the way that the person was walking. So we'll get into that here. Now, the way that they made these, uh, really interesting. Uh, so they had a computer generated or uh, using varied block sizes of two and four stratified by unilateral versus bilateral knee disease and predominantly affected compartment medial versus lateral in the index knee. So they did a lot of prep work here in terms of getting these. Uh, these are not like just your average over-the-counter Dr. Scholl's, let me swap this on my uh, on the bottom of my foot and see if, I, uh, if my knee pain improved. No, I mean, this was, there were some legitimate designs um, and, and work being done to produce these. So uh, what did we find? Well, at the 12-week mark, right, well, let's talk even at the four-week mark, the pain subscore decreased from 4.3 to 3.2 in the footwear group and from 4.0 to 3.4 in, um, in the control group. And that difference, which was only you know, 0.4 reduction of pain score between the two of them, the reduction, had a statistically significant p-value. That p-value was lost at the eight-week mark, but again, in continued improvement, that biomechanical footwear group, again, went from 4.3 to 3.2 at four weeks, and then at eight weeks went to 2.5, and then at 12 weeks went to 2.3, and then at 16 weeks went to 2.0, and then finally at 24 weeks went down all the way to 1.3. So dropped from 4.3 down to 1.3. In the control group, they went from 4.0 down to 2.6, or sorry, down to 3.4, down to 2.6, down to 2.6, down to 2.4, down to 2.6 at the very end. And all of those were statistically significant except the eight-week difference between the control group and the footwear group. So I have two thoughts on this before we get into the details. And that is, number one is, this is, this is pretty good evidence to say that, you know, you get a, you get a what is that, 75% reduction? That's, you know, just off the top of my head math, um, reduction in this pain score. Now, the authors say, well, we don't know if this is clinically relevant pain score. But I mean, this is a significant reduction in pain score. So I think that's good. You know, NSAIDs have reduction in pain score. Glucocorticoids have reduction in pain score with significant side effects. There was no side effect seen by adding, you know, rocker bottom pads, two convex pads at the bottom of these people's feet. Um, they did, however, I will say, uh, you know, I thought the first thing that came to my mind is, oh, you're going to do this in old people, so they're going to fall. Well, they actually excluded people who were, quote, a high risk for falls, unquote. Um, that was in their methods section. I don't know. It wasn't very clear how they threw those people out, um, even in their even in their 697 patients assessed for eligibility wasn't really clear 
how they threw out those people. But uh, they also threw out people with history of inflammatory rheumatic knee disease, uh, history of prior knee replacement was thrown out, um, history of um, unable to travel uh, to the treatment center, uh, history of knee pain less than six months were thrown out, and anybody who was under the age of 40 was thrown out. Um, oh, a steady score greater than four. Okay, that's how they, and only three of them fit the risk for that. Okay. Um, they also threw out three people with fibromyalgia because fibromyalgia people are probably less likely to respond since it wasn't probably true knee arthritis, um, or at least there's probably, you know, coexisting comorbidities that could prevent a, a response. So I thought that was pretty smart. Um, so again, I, I, so there's two thoughts. Number one is it, it definitely worked. Uh, it clearly works. 75% relative risk reduction, um, or an absolute risk reduction of three on a scale of 10. So, uh, you know, I think that's still a pretty good reduction, absolute reduction and risk, uh, abs and relative risk reduction. So um, when we talk about the difference between the biomechanical and the control footwear, the control footwear group went from an average pain score of four immediately down by eight weeks to 2.6 to the fact that it wasn't even statistically significant compared to the biomechanical footwear group at eight weeks, which makes me think about how much of knee pain can be improved with just simple things like changing the person's shoes, adjusting the gait, and so the pressure points aren't hitting those degraded compartments. And I, I wonder why if that's why physical therapy works so well. Obviously, physical therapy does a lot of other things, strengthens the muscles around the knee, um, in, improves mobility, uh, decreases inflammation, uh, strengthens the accessory muscle groups for better stability so you're not relying on those same components. But ultimately, I wonder if it isn't just improving the patient's overall gait and biomechanics. And so if we have a computer-generated program here that's creating better biomechanics, I wonder if that's the main driver of why there's pain reduction in, the, in, the, in this intervention group with these, with these fancy shoes. But then I also wonder if that isn't why the control group got initial benefit. I mean, they got, they got pretty decent benefit from 4.0 from to 3.4, even in four weeks of just changing their shoes to have these little pods stuck on the bottom that didn't actually make them convex or didn't actually do anything. And then by eight weeks, again, almost a 50% relative reduction, not quite, never got to quite 50%, but like 60% or sorry, 40% relative risk reduction, um, reduction in pain score. So, you know, there obviously was a lot of placebo in this. So we can't, you know, assume that these were the end all be all miracle uh, shoes. But I think clearly there was definite improvement. This was non-pharmacologic. There was no significant side effects from this. There was no risk for anything aside from having to have probably a very expensive um, shoe made for you. I'm not sure how this would apply uh, to our own United States insurances. If you're our international colleagues with real healthcare systems, uh, you probably don't have to worry about that. But I think, I think knee pain is so incredibly common that I wanted to throw this study out here as just another tool in the arsenal. Um, we're always trying to come up with, you know, unique ways and good ways to not only improve patient health, decrease patient suffering, decrease patient pain, but also improve their mobility. And so here is yet another non-pill, non-medication. We don't have to worry about side effects. We don't have to worry about drug-drug interactions. We don't need to worry about ulcers or chronic kidney disease or any of those other issues that we have to worry about when we add an NSAID to a patient's medical regimen. And, and yet this had significant benefit. Now, this was six months. How does this look after two years? How does this look after five years? How long does this delay knee replacement? How long does this delay osteo, you know, the corticosteroid injections for osteoarthritis? I, we don't know. We don't know. 
Um, we know that physical therapy works. We know that physical therapy does really good work. We know that uh, exercise in general works for knee arthritis. So hopefully this is another added tool that we can use that should be helpful for our patients and not add any uh, other, other comorbidities to the issues. So go forth, primary care practitioners, knowing full well that there is yet another tool in the arsenal. Uh, talk to your local physical therapist, see if they can hook you up with this. If they can't, um, hopefully this is something coming in the future. So uh, with that, we're going to sign off today saying uh, contact us at primarycarepod.gmail.com with any questions, concerns, uh, fears, worries, uh, uh, COVID complaints, uh, questions that you want me to address on this topic. Again, send me your jokes. And we're going to sign off today saying you don't have to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great day.